was it that Killiman tried to tell me before that pivotal day with my Henry? Liz asked aloud, her heart beating wildly as her mind finally filled with understanding after all these years. Of course, the eagle's nest. Welcome to the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, season two, with your hosts, Max, Liz, and Nigel. This podcast is produced by Playful World Ministries, a department of ACT International. All of the Epic Order of the Seven characters and adventures were created by and written by Jenny L. Cody. And I'm your narrator, Denny Brownlee. By the way, as you listen to this episode from the audiobook The Voice, The Revolution, and The Key, keep in mind you can download your very own copy of it by visiting audible.com. That's www.audible.com. And you'll find the entire collection of Jenny L. Cody's Epic Order of the Seven books by going to her website, epicorderoftheseven.com. On today's episode one of season two, we'll bring you the opening prologue from the audiobook, The Voice, The Revolution, and The Key. And again, today we welcome you to the first episode of our brand new season. And as such, we have a number of introductions to make along the way. And of course, to begin with, I feel obligated to introduce our veteran hosts. You feel obligated? Like you have to, but you don't really want to? That, that's not really because how I Because we ma- certainly mm. don't want to trouble you, monsieur. Aye, we don't want you to feel put out in any way, shape, or form. I don't feel put After out. After all, introductions certainly aren't necessary for such old-timers as we. I didn't call <laughs> you old. we are. Oh, old hat. <laughs> Why, everybody knows old Max and Liz. Um, okay, are you two done? <laughs> well, I'm glad you're laughing considering the mess you need to clean up after last week's big reunion party. What do you mean, you? Grab a broom, lad. Yeah, 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 okay, you're right. I should do my part. Who knew these animals would leave such a mess? Well, Shem did. So did Ham and Noah, pretty much the whole family. That was rhetorical. Uh, I'll say. And let's face it, these weren't just any animals. No? Nope. They were party animals. <laughs> Get it? Oh, how delightful. Everyone is a comedian. Ah-ha-ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> Aye, and here's another one. Oh, good. What time is it when an elephant sits on your folding chairs? I give up. Time to get new folding chairs. <laughs> Shem taught me that joke himself. We oui, and it was probably old when he heard it. Just throw what is left of those chairs in the dumpster. Ugh, I, I cannot believe how messy all the birds were. Ostrich feathers, ravens, chickens, even doves. I am finding feathers everywhere. I thought birds of a feather stuck together. Oh, monsieur. Aye, <laughs> here's a bunch stuck together. See? These be Roger the Peacock's feathers, then. Well, at least they are pretty. Uh, Max, could you put them in a vase, s'il vous plaît? Aye. Yeah, and then, Max, can you drag this trash bag out of the way so I can sweep this corner? Aye, lad. <laughs> Thanks. And, uh-oh. Uh, Liz! We? Oui? We got a mouse over here. <sighs> Step aside, Schindelman. I will need complete silence as I use my cat-like stalking methods. Makes sense. You're a cat. Max, shh. Ruff, ruff. Oh, oh. oh, great. You have awakened him. Uh, I say, what time is it? Who said that? Uh, down here, old chap. Hey, who you call an old... Nigel? Nigel? Oh, dear mon ami, I nearly made you my lunch. So it's lunchtime? Oh, my, did I oversleep. 
"'You were more like hibernating, lad. "'You must have been there since the party.' "'Indeed, so it would seem. "'As I recall, it had been a long flight over the pond. "'I had to change carrier pigeons at least four times, "'and, of course, they don't feed passengers like they used to. "'So I had just finished one of those cheesy sandwiches "'with the crusts cut off. "'Ah, that were finger food, lad.' "'Well, at least for those having fingers.' "'Well, what you call finger food, I call a feast. "'Thus, I must have been famished and sleep-deprived all at once.' Uh, "'Sorry, Nigel, we didn't know you were down there. "'I mean, you were as quiet as a... well, you know.' "'Yes, quite.' "'Well, I believe Nigel's presence is divine providence from the maker.' "'And, uh, just to be clear, my pet, uh, this divine providence uh, no longer refers to your lunch.' Correct? Oh, Nigel, of course not. I could never eat a mouse. Like you. <laughs> Good save, lass. I were afraid you were about to start asking the blessing. Max, don't be silly. Uh, what I meant was, it is good that Nigel is here, as he has been assigned to join us for this second season of the podcast. And it is a duty to which I shall give my utmost effort, for today marks the beginning of the telling of a new story. The voice, the revolution, and the key, spawned from the days of colonial America, and spun by the creative genius of Jenny L. Cote. Aye, and speaking of Miss Jenny, once again she'll be joining us each week from Jenny's Corner. With in-depth and behind-the-scenes looks at how she comes up with all these marvelous tales. Right, so let's get started. Without further explanation, we begin this season with the prologue to The Voice, The Revolution, and The Key. Open your ears to what I am saying, for I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past, stories we have heard and know, stories our ancestors handed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children, but will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord. We will tell of His power and the mighty miracles He did. Psalm 78, verses 1-4 through 4. Prologue. Jewels in her crown. New York City. March 17, 1944. Liz sat on a bench in Battery Park, gazing out across the Hudson River, her golden eyes fixed on the upraised arm of the Statue of Liberty. A gentle breeze brushed her cheek, and she closed her eyes, smiling at the thunderous voice that forever echoed in her mind. They see a land in which liberty hath taken up her abode, that liberty, whom they had considered as a fabled goddess, existing only in the fancies of poets. They see her here, a real divinity, her altars rising on every hand throughout these happy states. Liz opened her eyes squinting against the sun as her gaze drifted to the statue's patina crown. Liberty, the greatest of all earthly blessings. Give us that precious jewel, and you may take everything else. The sleek French cat sighed deeply as the voice continued to remind her of what was at stake when it first uttered those words, When the American spirit was in its youth, the language of America was different. Liberty, sir! was the primary object. Liberty is once again the primary object, Mon Henry. 
Much is at stake now, just as it was then, Liz said aloud to herself, scanning New York's bustling harbor filled with ships of war. She slowly curled her slender black tail up and down as she studied the determined face of this once fabled goddess. Ma chérie amie, how many jewels are in your crown after all these years? You will no doubt earn many more as you bid these brave soldiers adieu. They will once more return the gift of liberty to my beloved France. I tried to tell you, Big Al, three hot dogs were plenty, came Max's scolding voice. The Scottish terrier shook his head at the clearly miserable orange cat waddling along next to him. But no, you just had to make it four. Aye, that on top of two pretzels, added Kate, the white Westie, sharing a knowing look with her mate, Max. She then spotted Liz sitting on the bench and trotted along ahead. And three helpings of cotton candy, Al groaned, clutching his belly. His groan was followed by a loud, drawn-out belch. Liz turned and wrinkled her brow at hearing her mate make such a disgusting sound at such a moment for reflection. Sorry to disturb you, Liz, came Kate's soft voice as she jumped up next to the black cat. I can tell you being one of your thinking times. Liz smiled at her longtime friend. It is quite all right, share Kate. Did you have fun at the parade? Kate's sweet face brightened. Aye, the St. Patrick's Day Parade were a grand time. Al let go another long belch and proceeded to fall onto his back, moaning and rubbing his fluffy orange belly. Sitting crooked atop his head was a green hat with the words, Kiss me, I'm Irish. One day off to celebrate me favorite holiday, and I make meself miserable. Daft kitty, Max growled. You think you'd have learned your lesson with this holiday after a hundred and eighty years of celebrating it? I just can't help meself, Al whined. He peeled off a clump of green shamrocks that were stuck to his fur and held them up in the air. Liz, I brought you these. Liz and Kate shared a giggle. Liz cleared her throat. <laughs> Merci, Albert. You always think to bring me something green. Uh, this time it's something green and orange, Max joked, seeing Al's orange fur stuck to the bouquet of shamrocks. At least his bouquet looks like Ireland's flag, then, Kate suggested. She leaned over to whisper to Liz. I still think the Edelweiss he brought you on the way to Noah's Ark were the best flowers ever, lass. <laughs> I dare say even a British mouse such as myself feels Irish after today, Nigel interjected with a chuckle as he joined the group. He straightened the gold spectacles atop his nose. I find it quite fascinating that this parade's observance honoring St. Patrick began in this very city... Fourteen years before America declared her independence from my homeland. <sighs> the bagpipes always be me favorite thing about the parade, Max offered. I like seeing all the humans dressed in green, Kate added happily, wagging her tail. Oh, please don't say green, Al moaned, pulling his hat over his eyes. 
Nigel pretended to jab an imaginary sword into Al's belly. I am pleased to report that we saw a statue of George Washington as we wended our way through the streets of New York. Ah, oui, Nigel, Liz answered with a nod. The sword of the revolution. And we also saw a statue of Thomas Jefferson, Kate offered. Nigel turned his imaginary sword into a pen and proceeded to write on an invisible parchment. Right, the pen of the revolution. Liz wrinkled her brow and returned her gaze to the Statue of Liberty. But the voice of the revolution remains eerily silent. She jumped down from the bench and walked over to the water's edge. Waves from passing ships splashed against the seawall, sending a spray of mist onto her fur. Max and Kate walked up behind her, sharing looks of empathy for their feline friend. Kate put her paw on Liz's shoulder. You're thinking about your Patrick. Aye, not Al's Patrick, Max added quietly. You're thinking about your Henry, aren't you, lass? Oui, my Patrick Henry, Liz said with a nod as she lifted a paw toward the Statue of Liberty. The people of this land do not even realize that without him, she would not be here. I thought she were here because of Lizardus. Al offered, now sitting up in spite of his enlarged belly and lifting the hat from his eyes. The animals all gazed out at the towering statue, allowing the memories to flood back into their minds. The history they shared with Lady Liberty stretched back not just decades, but centuries. If there ever was a time for Americans to embrace all that this celestial goddess embodies, it is now, Nigel declared jumping up onto the seawall next to Liz. At least for this Second World War, our beloved homelands are once again on the same side of the conflict. Liz smiled sadly. Oui, mon ami. It was difficult to have such tension between our countries for a time. The petite cat leaned over and kissed the little mouse on his head. Je suis très heureux to be allies once again. Aye. And with the brave American lads joining in to help the French, too, Max added. Kate wrinkled her brow with a determined expression as she recalled the words of the American soldiers who arrived to fight for France in World War I. Lafayette, we are here. Liz nodded fondly. Oui, the Marquis de Lafayette would be happy to see his adopted country once more coming to the aid of France. Nigel grinned and preened his whiskers. He then paused and put his spectacles atop his head, wearing a determined look on his face. Does this remind you of your Henry, my pet? Give me liberty or give me death, Nigel exclaimed with a fist raised high in the air before dramatically plunging his imaginary sword into his chest. Liz smiled and giggled. Oui, mon cher Mr. Henry. She placed her paw over her heart and batted her eyes. Suddenly, a transport ship full of soldiers glided past the Statue of Liberty. Young men lined the railing of the ship to gaze up at her resolute face. Just as they carried pictures of their wives' and girlfriends' faces in their pockets, so too did they wish to carry in their memories the face of America's sweetheart. They would need to draw strength from her chiseled features to take with them as they headed to England to prepare for war against Germany. Uh, some of those lads 
We'll never see her again, Max said. A low growl rumbled in his throat. Those Germans will be waiting for them. I forgot all about the Germans today, Al cried, putting his paws up to his mouth in fear. The worst of the worst be them Nazis. I hate Nazis. Kate's eyes filled with tears. They're all just young boys. How can they defeat such a strong enemy? We are not weak if we make a proper use of those means which the God of Nature has placed in our power. The battle, sir, is not to the strong alone. It is to the vigilant, the active, the brave. Liz said, quoting the voice. May the jewels in America's crown always grow as she answers your resounding voice, Mr. Henry. Aye, if only the humans would remember Patrick Henry's words when they look at Lady Liberty, Max suggested. Al waddled over to join the others on the wall. Sure you'd think that'd be easy for them to do, especially with reminders like, give me liberty or give me death then. Uh, seven little words. That's all they remember about Mr. Henry. Liz lamented. Hmm. Seven. What a travesty, seeing how he said infinitely more words than that, Nigel added, shielding his eyes against the sunshine as he spotted an incoming pigeon. Al gazed at Lady Liberty and held up his paw, punctuating the air as he counted out loud. Seven. The lass has seven points on her crown. Just like there'll be seven of us. He turned and looked at Liz with his goofy grin. And just like your Patrick's seven little words. Liz's eyes lit up, and she kissed Al on the cheek, causing him to melt. Brilliant, cher Albert. Oui, seven. Jolly good, old boy. Seven, like Mr. Henry's words, and seven, like His Majesty's animal team. Nigel cheered with a fist of victory raised high in the air as the pigeon landed next to him. Speaking of which... Back to the mission at hand. It is time for me to catch my flight, so I may get aboard the USS Nevada, bound for England. The little mouse stood in front of Liz and Kate, taking each of their paws in hand for a farewell kiss. Stay strong, fair ladies, until we meet again. Bye, mousy, Kate replied. Be safe, then. Bon vol, Nigel, Liz said. It looks like you are back to flying on pigeons instead of eagles. Nigel gave a jolly chuckle. <laughs> I shall reserve an eagle for when we achieve victory in Europe. Besides, my team of pigeons is shaping up to be a formidable team of informants. Aye, keep up the good spy work, lad, Max added with a salute. I guess we all need to get back to our places in this mission. You too, Big Al. Back to Germany. Al's lower lip trembled. Uh, you mean I have to go back to that evil lad with the funny mustache? He paused with a gulp. In his cursed eagle's nest? Whether this will prove a blessing or a curse will depend upon the use our people make of the blessings which a gracious God hath bestowed on us. Liz perked up as the last words penned by Patrick Henry suddenly came to mind. What was it that Gilliman tried to tell me before that pivotal day with my Henry? Liz asked aloud, her heart beating wildly as her mind finally filled with understanding after all these years.
Of course, the eagle's nest. But she wasn't thinking about Germany, 1944. She was thinking about Virginia, 1743. We oui, there you have it. Patrick's story is so much more than those seven little words. And mes amis, this story is just beginning. Aye, and for more on this topic, we take you to Nigel P. Monaco in the newsroom. Ratings one and all. Today marks the beginning of a new season and a new audiobook here on the Epic Order of the Seven. And there is not a more fitting day to launch this season than today, by also marking a significant anniversary. For though you may be listening on a different date, this podcast first aired on March 23rd, exactly 246 years to the day after Patrick Henry delivered his historic speech that included those now iconic seven words, a speech now considered to be among the greatest in American history. What better day to introduce the story of a man who would become the voice of the revolution than on the anniversary of the speech that made this fact a reality. With Nigel's News Nuggets, I'm Nigel P. Monaco, reporting from the newsroom. Aye, and a wee little newsroom it is, indeed, for what was once perhaps an adequate home to a pair of air-something-or-other sneakers has now become the epicentre of revolutionary news from Air Nigel. Well, let's not get carried away. It was a shoebox, and now it is a mouse-sized newsroom. Aye, Mousy, and according to the box, your newsroom be a size nine and a half. <laughs> Spacious indeed. Well, thank you, Mousy. Well, now, Liz, when I think of the American Revolution, I confess, Patrick Henry aren't the first founding father lad I think of. Oh, je comprends. I know what you mean. So, that begs the question that only Miss Jenny can answer. And so, it be time to head to Jenny's corner. Well, hello, Max and Liz. What are you curious about today? Of all the great choices of the American Revolution, uh, what inspired you to write about Mon Henry, my Patrick Henry? Well, I grew up in Virginia, in Norfolk, Virginia, and frequently I went to Williamsburg on field trips. So the American Revolution was always a passion of mine since I was a child. You know, you train up a child in the way he or she should go, and mine was, you know, many ways for Christ, but also with a love for history, and it sticks with them, right? Well, as an adult, I went back to Colonial Williamsburg. It had been many years since I had been, and I sat in the audience and listened to Colonial Williamsburg's Richard Schumann, who portrays Patrick Henry, and my jaw was on the floor at what I heard, and I became almost embarrassed because, you know what, the only thing I remembered from Patrick Henry was what? Seven little words. Give me liberty or give me death. That's it. And frankly, if you ask any adult or person out there on the street, that's all they remember too. So the more I started learning about Patrick, immediately after I attended Richard's program, I went and got a book on Patrick Henry. I bought his biography and I started studying it. And I'm like, this is just wrong that this amazing founding father, who was one of the three, you know, the voice of the revolution, the pen of the revolution, which is Thomas Jefferson, 
and the sword of the revolution, which is George Washington? How is it that the voice has become eerily silent? And in fact, that led me to write the opening scene of the prologue where Liz says those words. You might find it interesting to know that I actually wrote the prologue 10 years before I started writing the actual book because it it all came to me in that moment. And so that prologue sat there for years, for a decade, while I was working on the other biblical titles. But just as Liz is passionate about her Henry, I became passionate about my Henry, Patrick Henry, to put him on the front page of American history again and to introduce him to the next generation who maybe won't even get to hear the seven little words in their study of American history. So that's what led me to write about Patrick Henry. Well, them were good reasons, Miss Jenny. And as we go along with this story, we'll just all get to know Patrick so much better. We, but Miss Jenny, I'm sure there are some of us who wish to know uh, why the prologue found us in New York City uh, during World War II. I do not believe Mon Henry had much to do with that war. Well, this is a stretch, but not only is it a setup for what comes after the Revolution series, which is indeed World War II, but the glue in everything is the Statue of Liberty. So I don't want to spill all the beans just yet, but just know it's based around her and Patrick Henry's influence on the United States getting the Statue of Liberty from France. And so we'll talk about that more in episodes to come. Aye, that we will. Well, thanks, Miss Jenny. So maybe old Patrick had more to do with things later on than we were thinking. And you know, we're just scratching the surface then, eh, Liz? We, in our next episode, from Chapter 1, we will hear from our wise leader, Gilliman, as he begins to plot the course we will follow for the next, oh, roughly 32 years. 32 years? Uh, Hey, announcer lad, Uh, soon's like you better be reading real fast next time. (laughs) She said we'd begin to plot the course, Max. And actually, we'll be introduced to a number of children who will one day make amazing contributions to the world. We'll also attend one of the most famous concerts ever performed and be introduced to the Iamosphere. And what be the Iamosphere, lad? I don't know. So let's all find out together on our next episode. Once again, the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, is produced by Playful World Ministries, a department of ACT International. All of the Epic Order of the Seven characters and adventures were created by and written by Jenny L. Cody. And remember, you can download your very own copy of the audiobook, The Voice, The Revolution, and The Key, by visiting audible.com. That's www.audible.com. And you can find the entire collection of Jenny L. Cody's Epic Order of the Seven books by going to her website, www.epicorderofthe7.com. And I'm Denny Brownlee. Thank you for listening, and join us next time on the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast. Have a grandi! A bientôt, mes amis! Huzzah! And ta-ta! And always remember, you are loved and you are able.